Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your book. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Maggie McReynolds. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Book we talk to accomplished authors who've gone from having an idea for just a book to a finished book that's out there making a difference in the world. Our goal for this show is for you to walk away inspired and motivated to write your book, whether it's your first or your 33rd. Today's author is Dr. Mara Leineberger, educational consultant and author of Help, My Child Hates School, an Awakened Parent's Guide to Action. Hey, Mara, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Awesome. It's awesome to hear your voice. So I usually start out with the same question, although I, I think your, your book title says it, but I'd love to hear it in, in your additional words. Tell us, what's your book about and who's it for? Oh, sure, Maggie. Um, well, in the words of Angela Loria, this is my love letter to all those parents out there who have kids who just no longer fit in the school that they're sitting in. And it is, it is a pretty much a down and dirty guide to help parents figure out what it is that their kid really wants to be doing and how to get them into the best setting possible so that they can really begin to thrive as a learner again. Awesome. So what are the signs? If a kid is not out and out saying, hey, I hate school, what do you look for? What should parents look for? Yeah, that's a really good question because I get that. A lot of parents will say to me, well, my kid, doesn't, my kid has never said I hate school. And the title was really chosen to, to grab people's attention and get them to recognize that if your child is saying anything about having problems with school, then it's time to take a look at what's going on and to figure out what kind of solutions that you can put into place. So that might look like, Your child um, has regular tummy aches. Your child um, really cannot get up in the morning and get themselves motivated to go to school. Um, It might look like your child comes home and when you, this 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 is a big one. Your child comes home every day and you say what happened in school and they say nothing. Um, It's actually time to take a look at what's going on there because when a child is engaged in the things that they really love all day, every day, they're going to want to talk with you probably to the point of your, where you're going to be ripping your hair out in the opposite direction saying, well, okay, that's enough for right now. I've got to go do something else. <laughs> yes. I think you've recalled a few. Like yes. This is also a book for the parent of the child who's being bullied or doesn't feel like they fit in, feels like they're really different from everybody else. Um, it could, so it can be, it can run the, the gamut of, of any kind of, indicators that a child might present that that something isn't quite right yeah yeah and that's that's hard on everybody the kid and, and mm-hmm. the parents and the family dynamic and certainly so, Maggie, there are plenty of kids out there who absolutely love school can't wait to school you know play school when they come home you know have a little pretend to be teachers and things like that those are not that's not who this book is for although you know, it's still an interesting read because I offer a lot of guidance for parents to get to know who their child is as a learner. And that's something that maybe we don't know. We know what our child likes to do for fun on the weekend. 
for after school what their what their um you know their passions are, but we don't necessarily know what they are like as far as a learner and and how they learn best. And the book has lots of um, exercises and activities that the parent can do to find out more about who their child is as a learner. Mhm. Mhm. It sounds like one of the questions I frequently ask authors who we have on the podcast is, is uh, you know, how did you pick a topic to write about? I'm guessing that wasn't your challenge. No, you know what's really funny, Maggie? This was not the book that I thought I was going to write. How interesting. Um, yeah, I have, I have a much broader impact, or, uh, impact. I have a much broader mission to um, create new schools for kids uh, that, that provide an alternative to the big system of education. And I came mm-hmm. into writing a book wanting to create a mechanism for being able to support that epic mission. And um, I had an idea. And as uh, the magic of what Angela does with her program is she helped me to recognize that that was the book that I wanted to write, and it wasn't actually the book that could best serve the the client, quote-unquote, the child and the family that I was interested in being serviced to, that the, the book that I ended up writing was, was the best book I could write for them because it addressed their, their direct pain point of the child was in some form of crisis related to education, and the par- and you know the parent was in need of some gentle guidance, some handholding to take those next steps of of taking action and making a change on behalf of their child. Was that hard to hear, or were you like immediately on board? No, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I trusted the process and absolutely went forward with writing the book. But there was this sort of part of me, which probably my ego, was tugging at wanting to write the book that I wanted to write. Um, right, right. Have you written a book before, before this one? I have had, I'm, I, like many people, have probably about two or three books started. And again, <laughs> I would say to you that uh, these are things that I thought I wanted to write about, and they were probably, they were like better suited to be something that I would write down the road, or they were just compilations of, of big ideas and things I had learned along my spiritual journey that I thought might be used to put pen to paper. But the truth of the matter is, I think the best written books are the ones that come from a person's real true place of brilliance, their true expertise. And whether I want to admit it or not, my, my true brilliance and my, my depth of expertise really comes in the area of education first and foremost. So what made the difference between those unfinished manuscripts on your desktop, laptop, what have you, and, you know, the book that actually I can see sitting across from me in my office, a beautiful, beautiful cover of your book. Yes, it is a signed copy. So what made the difference between those unfinished manuscripts and this very much out there and finished book? Well, I'll tell you what, Angela's process, the author incubator process is um, it's really priceless because it, it, it is so clear and so it is, it's formulatic and it's not. I mean, it, it is laid out in a method that really gets you to do an almost impossible task. I mean, the fact that I was able to get that manuscript done in nine weeks was really mind-boggling. And, and not only that, I mean, you having functioned as my editor know that the book that I produced in those nine weeks was actually in really good shape when I was done. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. 
which I, I found remarkable. I don't think I would have had the self-discipline to get a book written in nine weeks is, is the truth of the matter. So when, when listeners hear, um, you know, a, a scare, I would assume a frightening or intimidating time frame like nine weeks, it, it, I, it's actually sort of interesting that there's a lot of process at the author incubator that we ask our authors to go through before they even start writing the book, right? Correct. And yeah, is, and actually those things are... Does that those things key, are, uh, help, do you think? Absolutely. I think those are... Minus those processes, I don't think people would be nearly as successful as they, they are with getting their books done. Keeps any of us from writing a book is ourselves. You know, there are all kind of um, self-sabotaging behaviors that we have that come into play to to keep us from actually achieving that goal. Because it's a pretty lofty goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so, so certainly as your editor reading reading your, um, I, guess, I guess it was your first draft, it felt like it had just sort of poured out of you, fully formed. Did you experience it that way or were there times that uh you know you were just staring at the computer screen going uh uh you know well you know it's funny i didn't write it in a completely linear form i did um do a process that angela says it's it's like an outlining process but it's actually called the inline and i laid out what i thought the chapter topics would be and i thought that there would be a process that i would walk the parent through but i didn't find that i was actually able to always work on the chapters that I thought I was going to work on. And so there, she's got a lot of great coaching that goes in there that helps you to, you know, write where you can write to, to really get your uh, emotional state in a place where you can write. And when you get into that state of flow and being able to write that, you, you know, you keep going with it as much as you possibly can. So the bulk of my writing actually happened probably in a two to three week period. I certainly started some things and then went back. There, there was a very, there was a period of time at the beginning where I had written the first three chapters, and I, I really thought that they were going to need to be scrapped. Um, and you know, hindsight, a lot of it was because I was writing from this very academic-y kind of brain. But, the, but the, again, the processes that Angela takes you through and the coaching that you get when you do your work. Um, really helps you to become aware of the fact that you're doing, you know, you're writing in a voice that isn't the voice that speaks to your client, to the, to your ideal reader. And, you know, if, you, if you're diligent about taking that feedback, then you can go in and tackle that and clean it up. Doubt. At the beginning, did you have a vision for the book's done. It's out there. It's making a difference. Did you did you hold space for that? You know, I think uh, like a lot of people who might come into the program initially, I, I my goal was to get a book published. I thought I knew what it was going to be, but but I was I wanted to generate revenue to fund my my this epic goal of of opening a, a group of micro schools, and so I wanted the book to be the vehicle that would do that. Um, mm-hmm. that's, it's really a very different process than that. Um, and I don't know how much you go into the, on this conversation about the processes that are in play and how the book actually functions in part of building a business. But, um, you know, I think my goals were very different when I started, um, and they have continued to morph over time. And now that this book is, you know, in my lap, 
for real, so to speak. It's like having a new baby. It's it's it's, it's a whole new set of of possibilities and responsibilities, and I'm in the process now of figuring out what can I do with this book now that it's out. And I still have between now and May May 1st is my actual in-store publication date when when people will be able to get the book in print. Um, I feel like I've got between now and then to really continue to morph the mission and morph the ideas of how this book can be out there and help people. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. May is your published your publication date? May first. And I'm I'm I've been talking with my publisher with the publisher about having it be a splashy May Day in the sense of there is an emergency out there, May Day uh launch. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very cool date. That's very, very cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. I I I had a choice of which dates and once I saw May first, I was like, Well that's that to me is the very perfect day for a book with this title to, to show up on the bookstore shelf. I get it. I do. What do you wish now, looking back, that you wish you'd known before you, you even started? Wow. I know, it's sort of um, a big and big question. But I get such, I keep asking it because I get such interesting answers. Yeah, I guess you know, I, I'm not sure that I would really change anything. I was going to say my initial gut reaction was like, I wish I knew to trust myself in the process more. But then in, in the end, it's really, it's been okay. When I haven't trusted myself, I've gotten a different result. Things have moved more slowly. You know what I mean? I've banged my head against the wall a little more. Um, and then when I come back around to trusting myself in the process, things begin to flow more easily. I guess you know, I maybe wanted to, would have wanted to know to trust myself and trust trust the process more because maybe things would have moved more rapidly. But but in the end, I'm creating all of it, and uh, and I'm aware of that, so it's it's all good. A lot of authors, and your answer is awesome, by the way. A lot of authors tell me some variation of, I wish I had known all those years that I was, uh, you know, beating myself up of trying to write a book on my own that it could be much more easy than that. (laughs) I think we all buy into this myth and I'll be dating myself here by saying, you know, the tortured writer with their, their torn manuscript in a desk drawer, you know, (laughs) it will never see the light of day and it will never see an agent. It will never see publication, but it's there in the desk drawer. And I guess the the modern day equivalent is on the desktop. Um, Like you, there are three manuscripts that are in, various mm-hmm. stages of disarray on my desktop. And yeah, we, yeah, we buy into the idea it has to be hard. Having been through this process now yourself, you're aware of the fact that those manuscripts don't ever have to see the light of day as a single thing. But then if you were to decide to go back and write another book, any of that content into something, you know, that had a better focus or, you know, a different focus. So it's, it's not like that those early attempts at writing books are a waste. I don't think of it that way. And I, and I, I actually would agree with you. I, I, maybe I would have wanted to know that it, was, it would be this quote-unquote easy, but I, I don't know whether this has happened to others. I, a couple of years before I met Angela, I had a, like a waking dream that I was a published author. So in some weird way, I, 
already knew it was possible. I just needed to find a vehicle to make it happen. And I had done a few other things to try to make it happen. And then I, one day in frustration, I was just sort of having a rant with the universe about, okay, I only have nine months left to make that, that vision happen. So bring it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the next day mm-hmm. I saw an ad for one of Angela's webinars uh, with the author incubator. And the, you know, the rest is really history. Because she showed up in that space and place right when I was absolutely ready to make it happen. I guess that's the only thing people need to know is that if you're really ready, don't delay. Because acting on it in that moment when you know that that's what you're supposed to be doing, the rest of it takes care of itself. The process takes care of it. Yeah, absolutely. We all have, um, well, we have stories about everything, of course. Um, but I know that those of us who have written, whether, whether we call ourselves the writers or not, I think we have, you know, we have ideas of, of whether or not it's going to be difficult or hard. And I think we also have, maybe based on media or what we've read in the New Yorker or something, we have ideas about the process of writing and publishing a book and how it will go. What about that whole process has surprised you? What was unexpected? You know, I don't know if it has surprised me all that much because I had I had actually published before I started this book. I had written, um, I had, I've published poetry. I've written um, for professional educational journals. I have actually edited for professional journals. So I've seen all sides of at least the educational, professional educational side of publication. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. Probably the thing that surprised me the most about this process was the positioning of the book and that it actually isn't intended to generate revenue, but it's intended to be a way to connect with the person who needs your support. Um, That has actually been one of my favorite parts of the process because having been a public educator for so long, I'm very much accustomed to giving away my intellectual property all day, every day for free. So um, the creating a book that can be out there and be very low cost or no cost for the person who needs it is incredibly appealing to me. Um, yeah, right? So yeah. It's, it's very, think, very appealing. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, the act of writing, and that I know I felt, have known other authors who felt, have known plenty of, writers who are not yet authors who feel very focused on what they want to say. This is what I want to say. This is what I have to say. This is my message. Mm-hmm. And yet not a lot of thought about what, what do people want to hear? You know? <laughs> what, yes. Um, that repositioning you know, of, of my, th- yeah, that repositioning of my thinking prior to actually putting pen to paper or actually, you know, fingers to keyboard was, that probably was one of the most pivotal things was to actually get myself in the mindset of writing this, as Angela describes it, this love letter to the ideal reader. It's a totally different way to, to look at your writing and it gets, it gets me out of the way, you know, it gets my ego out of the way and it gets me actually doing what I used to do in the traditional elementary school classroom. I mean, I would literally just show up most days not in my ego, but actually completely in service to those children. So it it got me writing for whatever reason seems to really bring up our ego, um, especially when it comes to publishing. Mm-hmm. Well, I had um, I have one author who 
um, feels she's about to launch her book, her, her ebook, and she'll be coming out pretty next year. And she very much feels like this is like, um, well, I've just gone outside without my pants on, you know, <laughs> here I am <laughs> you know, outside, yeah. of, outside of my front porch in my underwear. And I, I think it is easy to, to feel vulnerable and to clutch at some manner of control over it, perceived control. Well, you know, I was going to say the book writing was absolutely cathartic. I think a lot of the authors that I've met have talked about they wrote the book that they were their own ideal client or ideal reader. And, you know, in some way I think I wrote this book for my parents. It was the book I wish that they had had so that they would have been able to see me and understand who I was as a child and then advocate for my education to match, you know, sort of the trajectory of my passions and my curiosities versus just the standardized traditional curriculum that, you know, one size fits all kind of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cathartic in that way. And I, but I think mm-hmm. that it was cathartic in the sense of it would catharsis that would be useful for the reader, not just for me getting stuff off of my chest. Are your parents still around? Have they been able to read it? My, my dad is. My dad and interestingly is. enough, while you and I were in the editing process, um, he was on my book launch team, and he read it, through it, and he sent me back revisions. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, and I'm laughing at it because I have a, you know, I have developed a very different relationship with my father as an adult, and I, I, I understood that this was the most loving thing that he could do. He wanted to actually help me make the book be the best that it could possibly be. He said to me. You know, you're a professional educator. This book has to be perfect. No pressure, though. <laughs> well, I know. No, and I know. it's so funny because I was even looking at the back cover the other day, and there's a grammatical inconsistency on the back. And I'm like, okay, so it's going to go out into the world with that on it. I'm okay yeah. with that, actually. Well, so many, and that's one place I think where a lot of could be published authors and writers get hung up. It needs to be perfect. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Your people who are listening won't know. The cover is this little super girl in costume. And it's like, you know, if superheroes waited for, like, the perfect scenario to go out and fight the bad guys, if they knew they were going to defeat them, like, you know, we'd have zero stories. There's always got to be some measure of risk and failure in every superhero's mission. So I think I just finally got to the place where I knew that it was more important to get the book out into the world because even with a few grammatical errors, um, well, first of all, it makes me way more human and approachable because, like, even as a professional educator with as much education as I could, you could possibly get, um, I can still make mistakes. In fact, I'm right. going to totally out myself because, I, you know, people will probably suckle to hear this, that when you were doing my editing, I literally had transposed the word there. I had done it incorrectly every single time. So I had used, you know, T-H-E-R-E and where it was supposed to be T-H. I, I can't even remember what the other one is. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, which yeah, two there yeah. as I had used? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. I had mixed it up with T-H-E-I-R. Like, how could someone with my, my this much education make that kind of mistake? Well, hello, I did. <laughs> even Superman had kryptonite. <laughs> they do. They do, and that's why you have editors. You know, that's why you surround yourself by the best of the best in whatever – the areas you have weaknesses like you know you weren't you weren't I don't know 
you were my lowest lane. You know, you made sure I showed up as the Supergirl. You had my back. Ah, Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of best, so I know that cool stuff has happened to you since your book launched, your ebook launched. What feels like the most fun thing, the best thing that's come out of having your own book out there? Oh, absolutely. The probably the single most exciting thing has been that um, I had an opportunity to attend the Archangel Summit, which is a entrepreneurial masterminding group, uh, their annual event in Toronto a couple weeks ago, and I was a finalist for their Moonshot Award, which in a nutshell, gave me a chance to speak for two minutes on a stage in front of 3,000 people about my bigger mission of building 100 micro schools in the next 20 years. And while I didn't actually get the $50,000 award, I got exposure that's worth, I know in my mind, it's millions. So not only that, it got me to really clarify my purpose and my goal for the book and for my own work going forward. And that kind of clarity is the thing that you wake up with in the morning and you can begin to say, what is it, what am I going to work on today to take a step towards that goal? Um, you know, so having that, that um, end point, it's not that, you know, if I don't get there someday, totally okay with it. But having that destination for 20 years from now is a, is a really strong motivator for what I do every day. Oh, that's so cool. Congratulations. That sounds so exciting. Thanks. It was a lot of, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was really a lot of fun as well because um, Angela Loria was there and there were 50 other um, published authors there as well. So it was like presenting to a, a close circle of my friends that just happened to have like thousands of other people sitting around them. <laughs> yes. 50 of your close personal friends and everyone they know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's very cool. So you've got to know there's a lot of listeners out there um, leaning into this and hearts full of hope and questions. What advice would you give someone out there listening who really wants to write a book but hasn't been able to finish it? Wow. Um, You know, there's lots of ways to do it. And if you really want to get it done, I think the thing about working with the author incubator, it is not for the faint of heart. It is an expensive um, proposition to say the least. Um, But as a professional educator, I can actually say with some level of authority that it's some of the best instruction I've ever gotten and the best support I've ever gotten. In education, we talk about differentiated instruction, meaning each student gets the learning materials and the supports that are actually best suited to them. And I think that that's one of Angela's strong points is that she doesn't, the the materials to get you to write your book may be standardized, but the support that you get is completely differentiated. Um, So I feel like, you know, my younger sister talked with me about all of the work that I've done with Angela in the past. I think I've been working with her for about 10 months. Um, She said, you know, really Mary, you're, you're, it's like you're getting an MBA. Um, and I will say for people who are listening, it doesn't cost nearly, it's expensive, but it doesn't cost nearly what an MBA would cost you. So if you have an interest in writing a book that will eventually help you to create a business around the things that you're passionate about, about your, your epic journey, your epic mission, and this is the way to go. And, it, and it's an investment that far outweighs, or it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's really probably one of the best investments you can ever make. And we didn't pay Mara anything to say that. Just want to no, no, you didn't. <laughs> Mary, it's no, been so I, great to talk to you. Thank you for joining you us. Too. 
You're I am welcome, um, I'm very, very excited to reconnect with you, and I can't wait until next time. Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Mara Leineberger is an educational consultant and the author of Help My Child Hate School, an Awakened Parent's Guide to Action. You can find that on Amazon and on May 1st, 2018 in a Barnes & Noble or other bookstore near you. Thank you for joining us, everybody. This is it for Book Journeys Radio. I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great day, everyone. www.theauthorincubator.com